That good shepherd does stand in the pastures with you. And from him comes God's grace. And from that shepherd comes God's mercy. And certainly, if his mercy is there and his grace is there, then his peace will also be there. God bless your worship today, because when you worship him, you are saying, I believe you're real. I believe the same power that created this universe is the same power that is overseeing all circumstances right now. And I will look beyond virus and I'll look beyond Democrats and Republicans going after each other. I'll look beyond all that stuff and I will fix my eyes on the shepherd who is standing out in the pasture with me. And when I see him, peace comes. Two weeks ago when I was honored to share a message with you, it was Mother's Day, and I shared the 23rd Psalm. This weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and the 23rd Psalm has so much in it, I did not begin to complete that which I wanted to share with you. So I want to do the 23rd Psalm Part 2 on this Memorial Day weekend. I want to spend a couple of minutes reviewing. I said, if the Lord is your shepherd, and the key word there is yours, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say a shepherd or the shepherd or Israel's shepherd or my grandma's shepherd or my dad's shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And if the Lord is your shepherd, then you shall not want for pardon. That was the first blessing I mentioned two weeks ago. Shall not want for pardon. You and I have a difficulty with regards to sin. If we have been sinned against, it's difficult for us to pardon someone else because usually if we've been hurt deeply, there is a post-traumatic stress syndrome that comes into play. We can say to someone, I forgive you, but the mind and the event haunts us because it caused us so much harm. If someone sins against us, post-traumatic stress syndrome, it takes a long time, if ever, to get over the damage that was done. And if we have sinned against someone, if we've hurt them deeply, if we've destroyed their job or their health or their family, if we've hurt someone and then we come to know the Lord a whole lot better in our life, we look back upon that event and we say, how in the world could I have done that to this individual? How could I have inflicted so much harm upon them? We have post-traumatic stress syndrome when we think about the hurt that we've caused in someone else's life. That's why it's difficult for us to pardon, because our mind keeps replaying things. There is no post-traumatic stress syndrome with God. There is none. That is why God can say in the Bible, that sin of yours does not haunt me because I've trampled it under my feet and I've cast it into the depths of the sea. That sin that troubles you so deeply, that sin that causes post-traumatic stress syndrome in your life, it doesn't in my life, because I've removed it as far as the east is from the west. That's God. And when he says, I pardon you, 
That divine surgeon has taken that cancerous sin completely out of your life as if it never were. And he's cast it away. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have that peace of total, complete forgiveness of sins committed. They're repented of and God restores his grace, mercy into your life. Secondly, you shall not lack for peace. Jeremiah 9. If before the COVID virus you said, my key, my peace comes from my money. I've invested well. I've got lots of money. Nothing to worry about. If your peace before the COVID virus hit came from your money, you're in pretty bad shape right now. At least 95% of us are in pretty bad shape right now. And if your peace came from wisdom, if you're putting all your eggs in the basket of wisdom gave you peace, if you could philosophically think out the difficulties in your life and you had peace, here comes the COVID virus. And maybe you thought, as did I, We have so many intelligent people on this planet, they're going to push a button on the supercomputer, and within a couple of weeks, we're going to have a vaccine. hasn't worked that way. The news looks promising, but that's not going to happen till January through June of next year. If your peace came from wisdom, you're in trouble right now. And if your peace came from your strengths, your connections with other people... The COVID virus has really kind of destroyed that. Zoom is good, but Zoom just doesn't do the trick. Looking at a service online is really, really good. I'm so thankful for it, but it doesn't do the trick of actually having people surrounding you. That's why Jeremiah said thousands of years ago, do not let your peace come from your wealth, your wisdom, or your strengths because it won't last very long. If you want peace, it must come from your connection with the Lord God Almighty, the one who delivers justice and mercy and righteousness on this earth. If he's your shepherd, you will not lack for peace. It'll come straight from him. And final review If he is your shepherd, you shall not lack for provision. The pastures are green. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Right now, the pastures in our life are pretty brown. Uh, A famine has come. A drought has come. And the famine and drought is a famine and drought from the normalcy that you and I have always realized and taken for granted. There are so many things when this COVID virus is is done. There are so many things that we will not take for granted anymore. We'll look at simplicity and say that's a miracle from God. The pastures are green. Even in the midst of this famine and drought with regards to the normalcy of your life, he's still here. I said two weeks ago, famines and droughts will come into your life. So will storms and fires and floods. They're promised in Isaiah 43. They're promised in John 16. 
But it's also promised that when those droughts come, and when those famines come, and when the fire and flood comes, and when the virus comes, He's still there. If you're looking for your shepherd in the pasture in the midst of the storm, you will see him there. He's not going to be back in his house until the rain stops. He's not going to be back under the shade while you're standing out there in 110 degree temperatures. The shepherd is there. And if all of a sudden your faith has become very shrunken because of this virus, if that faith that was so strong two months ago has begun to shrink away, that's who the shepherd goes after. He's going after you. Got 99 healthy sheep. He's got one that's faltering a little bit. And with his rod and his staff, he's going to come and lift you up. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let me venture new territory, people. Dear friends, if he is your shepherd, you shall not want for power. Shall not want for power. David's phrase, I will fear no evil. No Goliath that comes into my life. I will fear no evil. Because when I lift up my head and turn around, there's the shepherd in his shiny white robes. There's the shepherd standing there. And he doesn't stop by saying, I'll fear no evil. He goes one step further. He explains why he'll fear no evil. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's why I'll fear no evil. You're preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And you're motioning me to come and sit at the table. The enemies are not invited. The enemies don't want to be anywhere around God. The enemies, those things that come from Satan, they can't bear to be in God's presence. You're sitting at the table with him. Let me ask you this. What's the menu? He's sitting at the table. He's prepared the table. He's also the server. He's also the chef. He's everything. What's on his menu for you to eat? What's your favorite food? Pancakes? <laughs> the prime rib? Baby back ribs? What's your favorite food? None of that is on the menu at the table that God has set for you. What's on the menu? This is on the menu. You see, this is on the menu. He doesn't hand you a menu, he hands you his word. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's the menu. How many items are on the menu? <laughs> there are 7,000 items on the menu. Because that's how many promises he has made in this book. 7,000 promises. If on that particular day your enemy is loss of hope, there are hundreds of verses in the Bible in which the Good Shepherd tells you why you should have hope. Google it. Verses that speak about hope. If your enemy for the last uh, 
few months has been a shame or guilt. There are countless hundreds of verses in here that talk about his forgiveness and your receiving of it and moving on with great strength. If you have low self-esteem, there are hundreds of verses that talk about how specially, Psalm 139, how specially God has created you. There will never be another person in the history of this planet that is as special as you, fearfully and wonderfully made. If you lost a loved one and the grief is strong, there's 153 times on the menu where he has promised that there's life after this life. I will fear no evil, for you have prepared a table before me in the presence of whatever enemy is troubling me at this time. Do a lot of Googling, people. Verses on hope, verses on mercy, verses on low self-esteem, verses on everlasting life, verses on fear. How many times have I shared with you that 365 times in the Bible... On the menu, every single day in your life, because God knows what our primary enemy is, and that is fear. 365 times on the menu, he says, do not be afraid, I am with you. Deuteronomy 31.6, do not be afraid or tremble, Lord your God is with you, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. No tyrant, no dictator. No illness, no circumstance of any shape or form, real or imagined, shall make you tremble. And even when our fiercest enemy comes, when when death comes, we fear no evil, because in that valley, God himself is forever strong. It's because of that valley he sends his son to die on that cross. Forgiving our sins, Jesus, risen from the dead, makes the proclamation, Because I live, you shall live. Her name was Sherry. Her daughter died a number of years ago, 43 years of age, if I remember correctly. Her daughter Kim had had cancer. And I remember on the day in which her daughter died, I drove to her daughter's condo, and and Sherry was there, and she was outside. And I said to her, how is Kim doing? And she said to me, not very well. And then she said to me, this is a day that God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in the fact that he's with me. That's what she said two hours before her daughter died, went to heaven. Tim, his father, passed away a few years ago. And Tim, standing there at his father's funeral, up at the lectern, he said, This is a day that God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The presence of the shepherd, even when the fiercest enemy comes, delivers a strength and a power to us, as well as a great peace and a great stillness. 
this is a day that God has made. Fourthly, fifthly, number five, you shall not want for partnership. <laughs> What's the phrase? Thou art with me. Thou art with me. Thou art my partner. If you're a lawyer and you worked in a firm for quite some time and, and they call you in one day and want to make you a partner in the firm, isn't that one of your most exultant moments on this earth? You finally reached your goal. But forget that. <laughs> If you're in elementary school and someone comes up to you and says, will you be my partner? Will you help me with this project here, this science project or this history project? Will you help me? Will you be my partner? If someone is picking teams and they choose you to be on their team, we want you to be our partner on this team. You know how that makes you feel. When you're in high school and the stakes are a little bit higher and someone wants you in the chemistry lab to be their partner, or if someone on some extracurricular event that is going on wants you to be their partner, you know how that makes you feel. Someone is saying to you, I like you. I like your talents. I like your abilities. I like your personality. I want you to be my partner. When you have friendships, if you're married, you're, you're saying to another human being, I want you to be my partner in friendship. I want you to be my partner in this uh, thing called life. Uh, I believe that you are an angel that God has sent into my life. I want you to be my partner. When those things happen, we know how that makes us feel. Do our partners, even the ones who are closest to on this earth, are they always correct? Are they always perfect? Do we never get angry at them? Do we never disagree with them? The answer is no. When David says, you are with me. He didn't say, my good friend Jonathan is with me. He said, you are with me. And that was everything. Who is your partner on this earth? The Lord God Almighty. There was a young man years ago who got in trouble with the law, pretty significant trouble. His parents came to me and we talked and we prayed. And they described to me what happened when they went to the lawyer's office. The lawyer said to the young man, 17, 18 years of age, he said, you joined together, you partnered with your friends and your friends have gotten you into deep, deep, deep trouble. The lawyer said to the young man, are any of your friends here? They've been your everything for the last two or three years. You've eat, you eat and breathe your friendship with these individuals. You don't see your family much anymore. You don't have much respect for your mom and dad because you spend all your time with these friends of yours who you shouldn't be around. Are any of them here in the office with me? And the young man said, no. And he said, this is costing your parents $7,000. Are any of your friends going to pitch in money to help pay me as your lawyer? Are they going to work extra hours at, at their jobs uh, to uh, help pay this bill? 
And the young man said no. And then the lawyer said to that young man, these two people sitting in this room, there is no one on this earth that you will ever meet, including the person you marry, that will love you as deeply as these two do. It wasn't till some time later that that young man realized the significance of that lawyer's statements. You and I have a partner. He loves us, if that's possible, and it is, because the Bible says it. He loves us more than our mom and dad love us. He loves us more than a spouse loves us. He loves us more than our deepest friend on this earth loves us. And when you consider a power that creates the universe, and when you consider a love that sends his son to die on that cross while we're his enemies, and when you consider a wisdom that keeps this crazy world under control, to have him as my partner, it is everything. And for you to have this good shepherd as your partner, it is everything. Year was 1814. His name was Samuel Marsden. He set out from England to be a missionary among the natives of New Zealand. The first thing he did was translate the New Testament into their language. He faced an early problem. He had great difficulty with the final verse of Matthew. Final verse there says, Lo, I'm with you always. And Marsden finally discovered that he could only translate that verse in this fashion. Lo, I will be your partner every day. And when he translated it in that fashion, the Aborigines understood it and their faces lit up with joy. Lo, I will be your partner always. There's one left, one blessing left. If he's your shepherd, you shall not want for praise. <laughs> Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. You shall not lack for praise. David, who can explain it? The guy is like 70 years of age, 72 when he's writing this psalm. You look back on his life, 70% of his psalms, there's agony going on. He's got enemies all over the place, inside and outside the court. His own son, as I said two weeks ago, wants him dead, wants to take over the kingdom. The guy has had an unbelievably difficult life. And as he's sitting down writing his memoirs, he doesn't say, my life was one miserable mess after another that God helped me out of. He didn't say that. He said, thou hast anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. He's your shepherd. You shall not want for praise. If I ask you with the first song to be found in the Bible was, would you know the answer? 
you'd probably say, no, I don't know the answer. I don't really care. If I said, I will give you $100 if you can tell me the first song in the Bible, all of a sudden your interest is peaked. And you're already going on to the computer trying to find out the answer. I'm going to beat you to the punch. The first song is in Exodus 15. It is immediately after the Passover lamb has delivered the Israelites from Egypt. Firstborn of the cattle and the firstborn of those who weren't. The Israelites no longer exist. Passover lamb has passed over the Israelites. They are all the way to the Red Sea. They have walked through the waters of the Red Sea. Their enemies are destroyed. And after that event, Exodus 15, the first song in the Bible written by Miriam and sung by Moses. And this was their song. It's a long one. I'll just share the first verse. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The Lord is my strength and my song. Only after deliverance can there be singing. Only after you've gone through hell on this earth can there be singing. Only after you've gone through fire and storm and flood and virus, only after you've gone through it, can there be an understanding of what the shepherd means in your life? It's been a long time since I quoted Oswald Chambers, who said, I pity any Christian on this earth who has never gone through a trial because you never know the shepherd until you've gone through a trial. You will not lack for praise. For 400 years between the end of the Old Testament and start of the New Testament, there is no song, there is no, there's nothing. The Word of God, the, the promises of God, they've just disappeared. And then all of a sudden the New Testament starts and you got songs all over the place. you got the angels singing, unto you was born this day in the city of David. You have Mary singing. You have Elizabeth singing. You have Anna singing in the temple. You have Simeon singing. You have Zechariah singing. Why is everyone singing? Because Jesus has come. The 400-year drought is over. The menu is back on the table. The promises of God are back on the table. And the people are eating from His Word and His promises. And they are drinking of the water that he offers that causes one to never thirst again. You shall not want for praise if the Lord is your shepherd. The songs will come out of you continually. And when your daughter is dying, you say, this is the day God has made. And when your father has died far too young, you say, this is the day that God has made. And when you're losing hope, you'll look and your song will return. Greatest blessing, the last one, paradise. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When all of this is over, after I've been on this earth 72 years, when all of this is over, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My goodness gracious. Jesus talked about that house 900 years later. 
David said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Jesus talked about the house. John 14. He said, I'm going in my father's house. There's the word. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, if my father didn't have a house up there, I wouldn't be speaking in this manner. I am going there to my father's house to prepare a room for you. And if I go to my father's house to prepare a room for you, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. There you might be where I am. Mother's Day. The Lord is my shepherd. Memorial Day weekend for those who grieve significantly. Loved ones who have been in the military. Parents, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters, grandmas, grandpas. I'm reminding you on this day that the Lord is your shepherd. And as we continued on the backside of the COVID virus, I remind you, he's in the pasture. You just need to turn your head a little bit. You'll see him standing there. And peace will overflow you. In our Savior's name, amen. Heavenly Father, kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. We share the promises of God. I've just done that. We will do that all week long. We'll share God's promises with other people, reminding them who's here. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of words. It is a matter of power. And the power comes from the one who cooks the food. And the power comes from the one who serves the food to us. And the power comes from the one who puts his life his power, his love, his wisdom into the menu of his word. Heavenly Father, may we spend more time eating and drinking of you because then the strength is there and the song is there in our Savior's name. Amen.